Okay, so welcome back to the Expert Edge. Uh, today, we're having a conversation with a true master coach. When I say master coach, I'm not joking. I mean, this is someone who has been coaching people for over 20 years, like a professional coach, life coach, performance coach for over 20 years. And in fact, she has been coaching me personally in my life and some of my business for the last eight or nine months. And she's made a transformational impact on me. And I wanted to share you, uh, I wanted to share her with you because I know that she's had such a big impact on me. I love her philosophy. I love how she thinks about different things. And so I know that you're gonna benefit so much from it. So if you've been fascinated about coaching, if you've been wanting to make some changes in your life that maybe you felt blocked around, especially around bad habits that you've got or around uh, mental roadblocks that you're feeling in your life, then this conversation is going to help to unlock those. And the conversation I'm having today is with an amazing person, uh, coach, expert. Her name's Mandy Keen. And like I said, she has been coaching me for a little while and uh, she's coached literally like some of the biggest names in the world. She coaches people uh, doing millions and millions, sometimes even hundreds of millions of dollars. And so she gets to see into the world of what's going on in really high-performing people. And what you're going to find in this interview is something really interesting is that you're going to discover the inner workings of people at a high level and it's sometimes not what you think it is. And so let's get into this conversation today with the master coach herself, Mandy Keane. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Mandy Kane, welcome to the Expert Edge. Oh, Colin, it's an honor and a joy to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm really excited to explore your mind and heart when it comes to coaching uh, because uh you've done some amazing transformations in me and really facilitated that. And you've done a lot of coaching with me. And, and I know, you know, that I really value your input and your insight. And so I'm excited to share you with my audience and to help them to understand how to make behavioral changes as well. Oh, so, it's, it's a delight sorry. to be here. <laughs> so good. Uh, so tell me, tell me, Mandy, um, how would you describe yourself and what you do? Oh my gosh, you're, you're starting with a hard question right out <laughs> of the is. gate. Um, uh, well, to be dead honest with you and everyone listening, you know, because coaching is so popular right now, and there's so many people that call themselves a coach and because I'm not at all like I was 22 years ago, it's really weird to be called a coach 22 years ago and now still be called a coach, but I don't feel like I'm the same person and I don't feel like I do it the same way. And so um, even that word coach, I think has a lot of heaviness for me, right? Hmm. Um, with with some, some beauty and some light and some greatness. And I, I want to be um, very, I'm going to be very transparent with you and your beautiful audience, because 
Um, that's how I roll. I, if I were to say, how did I describe what I do? Um, the biggest, if I were to sum it up into one word, the biggest difference between the Mandy today versus the Mandy when I started coaching 22 years ago um, is compassion. Is compassion. Mm -hmm. The Mandy 22 years ago, she didn't lack heart. I, I had heart, you know, I was like, Rudy wanted to play for Notre Dame. You know, I wanted to be a great coach. I had the heart. I had the love for people and the sincerity of truly wanting to serve, but I lacked compassion. Mm. You know, compassion is something that I've learned that it isn't like you can just decide to be compassionate. It's not as simple as a decision, right? It's compassion. What I've learned about compassion, the definition of compassion and how I understand it is really a deep understanding of suffering. When you understand why someone else is in pain, you can have compassion. Um, when you don't understand, you could still love the person. Like my mom struggled with alcoholism my whole life. I've always loved my mother, always loved her, but I lacked compassion because I remember saying she's choosing Chardonnay over me. No, that was not true. That was me. When I said those words, that was me loving my mother, but being a very hurt, wounded child, no. not understanding my mother's addiction. When I started studying addiction, I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness my mom had Chardonnay. She was in so much pain and I was able to have compassion for her. And so I would say that's the biggest difference from you know, the best way I can describe and answer that very difficult question right out of the gate. Yeah. And I think that with your coaching with me, that's one thing that I think has come out uh, throughout our conversations in terms of, I feel like you, first of all, hold a great space for compassion. Thank you. Like whenever I'm explaining something. And then on top of that, you teach me to have compassion for myself. And so I'm curious that, and I love that you've chosen that word and that explanation. Uh, how, how, how does compassion on ourselves help us to create change in our life? Oh my gosh, it's everything. It's everything. <laughs> That's why, um, may I vent and throw some rocks? Mm. Is that cool? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and, just and, just and, no names. <laughs> yeah, no names, no names, but I will lovingly. Um, and, and it's really not even people. I think it's the, the self-help industry as a whole. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we had to start somewhere, yes. you know, think about like when we didn't have self-help at all. And we were in like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We were just like survivalists, right? It was just like, I just surviving and working and being able just to not die. And then we, we graduated from that. And we started living past the age of 35, you know, and we started, <laughs> we started to, you know, want to have more depth, want our lives to have more meaning. And, and the self-help industry was, was created, you know, it was really like the seventies and the early eighties. And so if you think about this industry as a whole, it's really still a child. Um, and so when I think about change and the, the promise of the self-help industry is it's going to change your life, right? How many times have we heard that? Yeah. This is life changing. This is going to change your life. And we're all, it's so seductive, right? Like, oh man, who doesn't want to have some area of their life changed? Um, the, the challenge is 
all these tools. And what I want to throw rocks at is when I first started coaching 22 years ago, I had what I thought were the best tools on the planet. And I was the biggest self-help coaching nerd. Um, I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have friends. I had a studio <laughs> apartment with the height of bed with like post-its all over the wall. <laughs> yeah, so coaching I tools, yeah. Oh, I mean like the biggest nerd, like no wonder I repelled men and friends. Like <laughs> I was, I was annoying to be around. Yeah. I love myself and I could be real. And what was really frustrating, Colin, was none of the, they weren't working for me and they weren't working for my clients. And I was in huge denial about it because it was so painful to look at that. But I'll give you a specific example. You know, I've struggled with migraines since I was 11 years old. And when I was a coach, I had no idea why I was struggling even more at that time period. My first year as a coach was probably one of my hardest years physically. I was popping Excedrin like Tic Tacs mm. because I was getting headaches every day. And now looking back on it, it's because I lacked compassion. So, I, you know, most people have goals in health, wealth, and relationships, mm. right? So most people hire us coaches or they go to us experts because they want to be, you know, and let's just say it, health is usually weight loss. You know, usually most people don't pay for, <laughs> I really want clean blood. You know, they want to, it's usually weight loss and, you know, energy. Um, and so it's usually that. And then it's usually, you know, marriage is usually they want passion. They want to have a good sex life. They want to get along with their partner. They want to have that intimacy and then wealth. Most people want to enjoy what they do and have their money work for them. So it's like, those are like the three biggies. Yeah. Well, what does compassion have to do with that? And like your question, going back to your question of that self-compassion, what I find is what I used to do, and this is to me the old school way of self-help, and um, we had to start somewhere, right? We had to start with the horse and buggy before we got the car, right? The horse and buggy isn't necessarily bad, but it can be better. Hmm. So the old way of know what you want, know why you want it, take massive action, right? Like that's to me the old school way, having yes. like What's your goal? Make it specific, make it measurable, get really crystal clear on that goal. Know why you want it, be emotionally associated to it. I would be so emotionally associated to my goals. I could do like a Shakespearean sonnet with emotion of why I wanted something so bad. I got really into my purpose and then I took lots of action. I was a machine with action and I still wouldn't get the result. And my clients, I would coach them to do the same. They knew what they wanted. They knew why they wanted it. They took the action. Groundhog's Day. I felt like Bill Murray in that movie, Groundhog's Day. One of my favorite movies, by the way. Um, I felt like that because I was like, oh my gosh, why, why am I still getting migraines? Why am I still single? Why am I still struggling with my weight? Why am I still struggling financially? Why are my clients, this is like, crazy town and I'm getting paid to help people. And there was definitely that imposter syndrome, right? Mm. Who am I to coach other people when I'm not wealthy, I'm not healthy and um, I'm not in a relationship, right? Talk about, you know, there's imposter syndrome and then there's just being plain and being an imposter. Like, mm. I, I don't know, like I'm making it up as I go. And so it was compassion so compassion is understanding suffering. 
for me to heal my migraines, it wasn't enough to know that I wanted it. And it wasn't enough to know even why I wanted it. It was about understanding why my body was producing migraines, my relationship with money. It wasn't enough to know that I wanted to be a millionaire, why I wanted it and like taking massive action. It was when I finally understood, oh, this is why, let's say if you, if you're like me, I had an overspending habit, right? I make so much per month, mm. but my budget <laughs> keeps <laughs> You, you can always overspend. Doesn't right? matter how much you overspend. <laughs> Pretty much. So it wasn't going to be willpower that was going to change Mandy's life. It was going to be, oh, why are you overspending? What's, what's, let's understand that. Then I'll go back to my migraines, me understanding why my body was producing migraines. Um, part of it was, and I won't go too far down this rabbit hole because I easily could. Um, but a lot of it, Colin had to do with my codependency issues. Mm. So I was, my body was saying no, because Mandy didn't know how to say no. And it didn't matter how bad I wanted it. It was me understanding, oh, my body's actually my friend and trying to protect, protect me. And when I started understanding that, I started setting boundaries and I started taking care of myself and I started studying, you know, the foods too and nutrition that, that produce migraines and the ones that don't. That's when I started healing. That's when I could stop taking Excedrin. That's when I could start. So that's the power of compassion. Com compassion is wisdom. Compassion is going as the light bulbs going on and going, oh, that's why I'm watching so much TV. Oh, okay. Now I know that I could do something about it. And then guess what? You stop watching as much TV. It's not about, it's not about willpower. And I believe that's the mistake that is made and, and definitely the old school way of coaching and the old school way of self-help. Yeah, and I found that in my life, um, big time. I know some of the conversations that we've had, and and by the way, you know, if you're listening to this and and you've never had a coach before or done any coaching, you know, Mandy very much does life coaching with me, uh, and personality coaching and some team coaching and stuff like that. Uh, but if you know, if you've never done any coaching, like I would just recommend you to to give it a go with someone, like in terms of like an actual, you know, qualified life coach or something, because. There's something about someone else facilitating a space for you to explore what's going on. And, and when you were talking about the whole area of like compassion and even codependence, I'm curious how codependence, like talk to us about how codependence plays out and sabotages us, um, you know, getting that relationship we want, you know, actually saving money, um, you know, breaking some of those habits. Talk to us about codependence because I feel like it's something that is known about, but very much overlooked. And it's been an area that I've been exploring in my life from conversations with you that have really like, and it's not just about relationships. It's actually like codependence on all, all other stuff. So talk to us about this, this, this topic of codependence. Yeah. Well, I love that you're connecting the dots and how codependency shows up and it bleeds into every area of our life. Mm. And I have a theory. This is not a Harvard study. This is a Mandy, you know, Mandy, Mandy Keene theory. Okay. That we're all on this spectrum when it comes to codependency. And I find that, so there's our childhood, 
we're born on planet earth. And unless you were raised by, I don't know, the Dalai Lama, you're probably going to have some level of trauma, right? I playfully joke with my clients that if you're over the age of five and you're still here, you probably have some level and degree of trauma. Obviously others have more than, than others, but, um, and what is trauma? Trauma is a disconnect from our true selves. It's a disconnect from our authentic selves. That's trauma. Trauma is not the abuse. It's not the rape. It's not the, it's not the slapping. It's not even the yelling. Trauma is what happens in between our ears when we disconnect from our true selves. So anytime that we say yes, when we want to say no, that's a sign of trauma. If you've ever agreed to do something that you didn't want to do, that's a sign of trauma. Now we live on planet earth and I don't think any of us want to go to the DMV or do jury duty. I mean, maybe, maybe a few, but, <laughs> but so there are some things that we do need to compromise on, but I'm talking about, especially when it comes to relationships. So yeah. and boundaries, to- right? Like it's like boundaries when you're yeah. saying you're noticing yourself in a big pattern of saying yes to things when you really mean no. There's a disconnect from your authentic self, a disconnect of the power that you have within you because of traumas or like ways that you've experienced life that have caused you to, to get to that compromise all the time. Yes. And I love that you said things that happened in your life that caused you. Here's the thing that I invite people to look at. That's been really helpful for me. And you guys can try it on for yourself. I look at trauma, like, you know, it's things that, that we're out of our control. Like we didn't Mm. consciously, like I didn't decide at four years old to believe that I was unlovable. I didn't wake up one Tuesday morning, you know, in my PJs going, you know what, I'm going to decide I'm unlovable and make my life really hard. And then when I'm a teenager, I'm going to be attracted to narcissists. You know, I didn't consciously decide that that was a, an unconscious program. And so part of, so with codependency, there's childhood trauma, we all experience, and there's a certain spectrum and some people swing the pendulum, the one way, which is the narcissistic personality where they completely lack empathy. And it's all about me, right? That's like, the they just, they like shut down to everything and just narcissistic to cope. Yeah. 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 In fact, I heard a therapist on an interview once say that narcissists are raised, sociopaths are born. So a sociopath, like you can have the best, like it's actually a sociopath. It's like a brain chemistry, whereas narcissists. Yeah. So the other pendulum swing of narcissism, woo, you swing it all over way here. Hi, codependency. Now what's codependency? The root of codependency is a lack of self-worth. That is the root cause of codependency is a lack of self-worth. And so understanding that is really a game changer. In fact, um, I have my really pretty answer that I say that I used to say when people ask me why did I become a coach? And this is true on what Mandy believed on a conscious level mm. was I've always been drawn to wanting to help people. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. However, now I've done more work on myself. I was like a moth to the flame to this profession. Cause I'm like, Oh, I get to get paid to help people with they make decisions around their lives. Like it was like, it was like an alcoholic getting to be a bartender. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. 
sign me up. And so I think it's really important that for the coaches and, and people listening and experts that you're working with people to really dive deep into why did you get attracted to this and, Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to look at the dark side. You know, like it's, I know it's not pretty for me to say that I became a coach mainly partly because of my codependency issues. Yeah. Maybe I can, what can we explore that? Because yeah. I think this is really valuable for, especially, you know, there's a lot of coaches and experts who listen to this. Um, and what's coming up for me is, is that pattern of your relationship with your clients. Yeah. In terms of like, if you're lacking or if you're, you have a codependent relationship with your clients, when something happens to them, it's like you go into a really bad, bad place. Or if you're not getting good feedback all the time, like you go into a really bad, bad place. So it's like, there isn't a clear separation of delineation of you and your clients. It's, it's like this codependence and, you know, it's almost like your emotional life is led by them. If someone leaves a comment and you haven't got back to it within 10 seconds, then like Um, you're worried and concerned. Would you say that that's like a codependent relationship as well? 100% you nailed it. It's um, a great book. I recommend if people really want to dive deeper, that's a brilliant book by an expert, Lisa A. Romano, shout out to Lisa. I love her. She's an expert on codependency. She wrote a book called codependent. Now what? And it's a, it's a brilliant book on that, but to go, when it comes to clients, it's super important to have very conscious and deliberate rituals in place to prevent the codependency from taking over. What does that look like? So one of the things that I do is I actually cut cords. So like there is energy and I know like for people who aren't used to this, this may sound I don't even like the term woo-woo, but I'll say that because that's what people use. But Einstein talked about energy. There's more and more people now, I feel like understanding energy and having it not be weird. So like you and I, when we have a session, there's, there's the cord, there's connection. And I physically take my hand like a knife and after a session and I cut the cords, like I visualize the cords and I cut them. I imagine my back, I cut them. That was part of what was also giving me migraines when I was younger is I was taking all this energy home and I didn't understand it. No wonder I was getting migraines. The other thing I do is I'm a huge fan of Epsom salt baths, or you could be a surfer like Colin and go into the ocean (laughs) and really get an Epsom salt bath. Like that's like the ultimate Epsom salt bath. So you could go into the ocean or if you're like me and you don't live next to the ocean, um, the Epsom salt, it's actually, there's been huge studies done about how that, that clears the energy. So every night, and sometimes I take two Epsom salt baths a day. Like if I'm really feeling it and, and, you know, sometimes I'll take one that's like 45 minutes. Sometimes I'll take one that's like 10 minutes, but that's been a huge game changer for me. And I've really noticed the difference in my energy levels. The other thing that I do is, um, if I am dreading like, so if I, I see my, my clients on the calendar, I know there's a codependency. If, um, if I look at their name on the calendar and I'm like, Oh, right. Mm. Like, Oh, I gotta, they gotta go because I'm not serving them. Is that how you feel when you say my name? No, I see happy faces and <laughs> scars. <laughs> Yay. It's Colin. That's it. Oh, I wouldn't be doing this interview. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yes, so, this is this is really big. Yeah. Like, so when you see a client on your calendar, 
or you're thinking about working with them, you've got a codependence going on. If there's like a, oh, yes, yes. If you're like, yeah. And if, I don't know if you're, if you're, if your audience uses Voxer or if you're checking email Mm -hmm. and you get an email from them and you don't even know what the email says. And you're like, you got like knots in your stomach and you're like, red flag, they need to go or something needs to shift. Yeah. In terms of your mindset with them and how you're connecting with them. Love it. Love it. Now you uh, have obviously coached thousands and thousands of hours over the last 20. I mean, there's very few people who have coached for 20 years, right? Right. Uh, You're the full OG. (laughs) So I, but you also now coach very high level business owners, like people who are doing a million dollars and above $10 million, $25 million, a hundred million dollars. I know you coach people who are doing like a hundred million dollars. I would love to know what are some of the beliefs that people who are doing over a million dollars or $10 million or whatever, what are some of the beliefs that you notice or the patterns that you notice that they do compared to people who are, who are still starting out or are struggling to get in their, in their revenue stream um, growth? Well, (laughs) (laughs) this, this is a tricky question. Um, because I'll tell you where I first go, which is probably going to surprise you and your audience. Mm. <laughs> um, so may I go big picture spiritual here? Of course. Is that cool? Go wherever so you want. I believe that, you know, nothing is an accident. Nothing. Everything is impeccably, as much as we sometimes want things to be an accident, everything really is very well designed. And we each incarnate into the bodies that we have, the families we have, the skills, the personalities that we have for a very deliberate purpose and reason. I'm a woman in a five five foot three body. I was not meant to play basketball. You know, Mm. I'm tone deaf. I was not meant to sing like Celine Dion. Right. So there's certain things that I was not given. And then Mm. there's certain things I gravitated towards coaching. And I was very good at it at a young age. I truly believe it's one of my gifts. Right. I've known other people who they they thought they should be a coach, but it was more like they didn't know themselves. Mm. And I'm so true. Right. And I've talked to people who I'm like, you would hate coaching. Are you kidding (laughs) me? Do you know you don't like people? That's like a veterinarian, <laughs> right? Whenever someone says, I hate people, but I want to be a coach. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. They don't, they kind of need to go together. Like yes. I love people. I love different personalities. It's like a veterinarian trying, like who hates animals becoming a vet. That doesn't make sense. So when it comes to, it's really interesting. I know that most people, and at least what I used to think is that people who make 10 million, a hundred million, you know, they have more confidence, not necessarily. I have known some people who have been extremely wealthy and I've known people who I had one of my favorite clients. Um, he was from New Zealand and he was a surfer. You would have loved him. He, he was so happy. I remember one call where I was like, how you doing? He's like, I'm great. I won't try and do the New Zealand accent, but he's like, He's like, I'm oh, great. I haven't gotten any overdrafts this month. <laughs> and he was just like so proud of himself that he didn't have Legend. any overdraft, right? <laughs> and he was a wise man. Like he was, he was a great man. I love that client. But here's my point. 
is I believe that we all have different cards and different talents. And I think the mistake in the expert business and the expert model is, hey, follow me, do it my way. When someone doesn't have those same cards, right? And so I will say two things about the people who are very, very, very successful. One is they use the cards they've been dealt. They don't try and it's like they got these horse blinders on of this is what I'm good at. And they don't try and be something that they're not because that doesn't work. There's very few who have quote unquote made it with an impact and making, especially at the hundred million, you don't get to the hundred million dollar yeah. mark without being, I mean, that's just top. another level. Yeah. Totally. You just, you don't, you don't, I don't even believe it's, it's very rare. You could get to the 10, but I think it's possible mm -hmm. depending on the business model, but especially an expert business, you don't get to the 10 million part uh, mark in my opinion, if you're not true to yourself. So mm -hmm. the first thing is really, they are authentic to who they are and they march to their own beat and they do mm. it in their, in their own authentic way. And the mistake that I witness other people making is they try and do it their way. They try and do it like the guru's way, the expert's way, and it's not working for them. The other thing that, that may surprise you from a say is a lot of it is driven by addiction. Mm. So a lot of these people that I'm working with, a lot of them have there. A lot of them are out of balance. People would be shocked if they knew the anxiety that a lot of these people dealt with. They would be shocked if they knew how many unhappy relationships and marriages, uh, how it's taking such a toll on their health. And these are like the dark, ugly things that they don't show on social media, that they don't talk about, that you don't see. You see the beautiful vacations. You see, I'm on a boat, right? You, that's what you <laughs> totally. see, right? You don't see, I can't stand my spouse and I don't know how we're going to make it another day. You don't see that. You don't hear that. And I, I found as a coach is a lot of them just like me. Codependency, by the way, is an addiction. Workaholism is an addiction. Mm. Now, workaholism is accepted, not only accepted, but praised. Like, can you imagine being an alcoholic? Like, let's just go to a funny imaginary place together. Can you imagine being in a culture where people were like, you're drunk, that's great. Oh my gosh, you changed my life because you're drunk. Thank you for changing my life because you're drunk. Oh my gosh, this is great. Can you drink more, drink more, right? That is what we do to our work addict friends. Oh my gosh, look at what you crushed. You get this award. You're getting this money. You changed my life. I love you. I want to be like you. And it's really confusing. In fact, I have so much compassion. I know like, oh, poor rich people, right? But seriously, when you're, <laughs> when, when you're in my seat and you know, many of my clients- Yeah, call you say them, it all. You say it yeah, all. Many of my clients, like I joke with them. I'm like, you, you know, I make in a year what you pay in taxes. You know, I'm not a, a multimillionaire, but I would not trade my life for many of my clients' lives because there is this unknown, like not talked about issue of workaholism and addiction that is so unhealthy. 
And I do believe, yes, I do believe that it's possible to become very financially successful without being an addict. But I think there are very, very, very few examples of that. I think the majority is this unconscious addiction. So if you're not addicted to working, then don't have an expert or a leader or guru who's an addict trying to be your mentor because it's not going to work. Does that make sense? Mm, no, that's fascinating because I know. I think what's coming up for me is because I know what I know you're not saying like don't don't listen to advice from people who are ahead of you. Like I know that, you know, I met you in a program that obviously I pay a lot sure. of money to be in. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of value in following strategies and models. Sure. But what I'm what I'm hearing is you need to learn to know who you are and what's important to you and what your loves and passions are. And almost like find someone who's who's a lot closer to the type of model that you want to want to do. And I think that there's sometimes there's this there's this um you know aura around some people in the industry, but the reality of their life is very different to what you actually want in your life. And I know for me, there's a few people who I've listened to in the past, and and I would even say to you, I'll say, oh, you know, so and so said this. And you'll say to me, you're like, yeah, but Colin, you're nothing like them. Like yeah. you, your values are completely different. They're not, they're not like good or bad. They're just completely different. Yeah. And so if you follow their advice, you're going to create a life you don't want. Yes. I'm so glad you bring that up. Thank you. Um, thank you for bringing that up because the word that pops out that I did not have at all 20 years ago. I was a huge Kool-Aid drinker and, mm. you know, very, 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 very naive. The word that I was missing and that I would encourage people to have is discernment. Mm. So you can listen to someone who's radically different than you. If you have discernment, what mm. I've witnessed is a lot of people lack discernment. A lot of people, cause it's, it's hard to have discernment when you're in pain. Think about like, if you were walking out in the woods and your leg got caught in a bear trap and you were in so much pain and a crazy person with the potion came by and said, this is going to get you feeling better. You'll probably just like, take it. Cause you're like, I don't care. You're not even going to ask questions. You're not, you're just going to yes. be like, I'm in so much pain. If this crazy lady, you know, that looks like you know, out of a storybook of a horror film is giving me this potion. Mm. I'm going to take it because I'm in so much pain and she's the only one that's paying attention to me. And that's what I see that's happening is people are in so much pain. They will just take whatever is given. And if we can take a moment and practice discernment and start to ask questions and start to really look and um, like, I've just so appreciated um, working with you because you've been so willing to look at yourself. And your example of, yeah, this person is very different. It's kind of like, I like to use the animal, animal um, comparison because it makes it really funny and mm. obvious. Can you imagine a penguin trying to take advice from a giraffe? You know, they don't know, like it's a completely different life to be a giraffe with that beautiful long neck and eating trees and the, and, and, and living in the heat and the hot climate versus the penguin with their, with their, with their wobble <laughs> and like living in the cold, very different. And I find like, that's one of the reasons why I love assessments is because you're like, Oh, mm. you know, I've really, I feel like I've, um, 
that one of my proudest things is, is helping staunch introverts not do network marketing <laughs> because <laughs> they're like beating themselves up yeah. that they don't want to go out. And I'm like, that's not what you're wired to do. That's like a penguin wishing it could, you know, live in the, in the desert. You're not supposed to live in the desert. You're supposed to be in the cold. Like you're introverted. You're supposed to spend more time. That's how you're designed. Mm. And I think trusting that process and trusting, oh, I'm designed a very unique way. That's what I need to figure out. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. And I know for me, you know, like having you as a sounding board has helped me to discern that as well of like, who am I taking advice off? What type of life do I want to build? Even down to things like, you know, I, I look at people who like, we've got two kids and I'm like, if I take advice off people who are ahead of me, who don't have kids and have built their life with literally no kids, like, yeah, some of the strategies will work, but it's like, there's a different, there's a different like dynamics happening in play. And I can't expect like, cause my kids demand so much of me and I want to be a good dad, but it's like, if I follow their advice only, then I'm going to miss out on a whole core value system in my life that is not going to function. Yes. Um, yes. They don't, it's, there's a saying in um, AA that no one can help an alcoholic like a recovered alcoholic. It's mm. like, there's something magical. And I say the word magical because I don't completely understand it, to be honest. There's just something magical that happens that when you've been through something, whether it be, you know, overcoming an addiction, an abusive relationship, a business failing, bankruptcy, there is something I have more respect and I will listen to someone more who's been through a hell that I'm going through right now mm. than degrees behind their name. Like if I'm going through, I was in a very abusive relationship and I worked with someone who got out of an abusive relationship and she had so much clarity and certainty and wisdom. And mm -hmm. I just grabbed onto that. And that was really helpful for my girlfriends who were married when they were 19, you know, and 20 and <laughs> happily married to super nice men. I could not talk to them about what it was like being in an abusive relationship mm -hmm. because they didn't understand my hell. They didn't understand my pain. And so I think it's also really important. Like to me, the best mentors are the ones who've gone through the hell and back mm -hmm. and you relate to their hell, you relate to their pain. Those mm -hmm. are the best ones. Yeah. If someone's feeling really stuck, like in their, in some habits and in, and in just their life at the moment, and they feel like they just keep doing a groundhog day, what are some like good questions or like ways to think about starting to break some of those disabling habits that are in their world? Inner child work, baby. Inner child. This, <laughs> this little Mandy right here. <laughs> so if you listen to audio, Mandy's holding yeah, up a little I, photo I got a of, on of my herself. Desk. How yeah. old were you in that photo? Um, I was six years old. Yeah. Six years old. So and why, why do you have that photo up? Because whenever I'm triggered, whenever any of us are upset, I got this from Michael Brown, uh, who wrote a great book called The Presence Process. He says that every upset is a set up from our unconscious mind. If you're stuck and you're in Groundhog's Day, picture that you're in a classroom and it's like the universe is not letting you graduate until you pass the test, until you, mm -hmm. until it's like, it's being kind. It's actually being kind to you, even though you're like, oh my gosh, this is hell. 
but it's about understanding why you keep attracting the same thing that you're attracting. And there's nothing that like moves us that helps us get out of that rut, that helps us get unstuck. Nothing's been more powerful that I've used and that I've worked with my clients than getting in touch with our inner child, with going back to our childhood and looking at, you know, you look at like you ask a gardener and if their tomatoes did not grow the way they wanted their tomatoes to grow, they look at how they planted the seed, the water, the sun, like everything matters. Mm. Well, that's the same true for us. It's like in our childhood, what we experienced, again, our trauma, if we haven't looked at it and if we haven't connected with that little boy, little girl within, then it's going to be repeated. And so when we're upset, set up from our unconscious, what does that mean? That means, um, I'll give you an example. When I was at a, a, a Russell Brunson um, event, it was on this big, beautiful cruise ship. And um, I vividly remember I, I had my tray because it was like a buffet style. And I had my tray and here I am, you know, Coach Mandy. And, and um, I wasn't, I didn't bring my spouse or anybody with me. I was alone, um, traveling alone, but I knew a lot of people, you know, all my clients, lots of my friends hmm. here I am intellectually. I know that I know people and I have friends, but I have my tray. And I don't know if you guys remember high school or junior high, when you had those trays and I immediately became like 15 again and went crap. I have no friends. And I remember sitting, I remember standing on the ship with the tray and I almost wanted to put the, the, my tray down and run back to my cabin and hide. So no one would know that I was scared of like, it was my 15 year old, you know, I, at that time I was 42. I was not being 42 year old coach Mandy. I was a 15 year old scared of rejection. And because I've done this work, when I was holding the tray, I'm like, oh, I'm being 15 right now. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's cool. I got you. We yeah. can sit alone. We'll sit, even if we sit alone, we'll look at the beautiful ocean. It's, it's going to be fine. So it's about learning how to nurture that child within it's that compassion again. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It always goes back to that compassion. And so if you haven't done any inner child work, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I know anytime I've done work like that, or I've done work with my clients as well, because um, I've, I've learned and used many of those techniques with inner child as well. It's so powerful. Like you it can really literally, is. you can, if you visually are seeing the client, like you, you can see their whole face changes, like the whole energy of the conversation changes as soon as you access it. And, and I just noticed like, you just let down your guard especially if they're willing to go there, you know, and you, you as a coach have facilitated that space and yeah, they let down the guard, they explore it. Um, there's compassion. And what's fascinating is a lot of the time, I know for me, when I do that type of work and really do healing at, in that, at that level um, and integration, the, the habit or the thing that you've been trying to stop actually usually dissolves. Like it's, it almost doesn't become a thing anymore. That's why it's like magic, right? Mm. It's not like, it's not like you have to get the hammer and the nail and like go, <laughs> oh, we, oh, yes. know, like, like, like it's not, it's not. There's no like, willpower. <laughs> yeah, there's no willpower. You know, mm. Colin, I know I'm not supposed to say this as a coach, but I love chilling. Other people might call it lazy, but I love chilling. I love mm. relaxing. I love, um, 
being outside. I love hammocks. I love just soaking in the sun. I love reading a book. Like I, I have more of like the eat, pray, love vibe than I do the hustle. That's just me and how I'm wired. And, um, I like to live my life in the way of as little willpower as possible. It's there in reserves, right? Mm. But I like to figure things out because I used, I feel like I used up all my willpower in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> like it's gone. <laughs> yes. Like we get a certain amount each lifetime. Mandy maxers out. So I had to figure out. You took way too much action. <laughs> I did. Exactly. Exactly. I took way too much action. I burned it out. Yeah, exactly. Action <laughs> overload. Totally. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, as we kind of wrap up here, Mandy, um, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, people, if they're curious about really just exploring coaching mm-hmm. and getting better at coaching, because I think it's actually a really good skill. I know for me, I learned it 13 years ago was when I did my coaching diploma and it served me so well in, especially as an expert building my coaching business and some and stuff like that, even though I don't teach coaching, it's like such a great skill. Um, are there any other like resources or any kind of places that you would recommend or books or anything that you would recommend they explore to kind of understand coaching better and if they're interested? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm giving all the unorthodox answers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first thing is I don't believe there's a school or a training program on planet earth that is equivalent to the benefit of you working with a master coach, you working Mm. with someone who, man, you admire, you respect, um, Um, I got to give credit where credit's due. My coach, Debbie Phillips was like my first official coach and she changed my life. And Debbie not only helped me work on me, but I, I transferred a lot of what I learned from Debbie to my clients. Yes. And I think that that's number one is if you don't have a coach who's like blowing your hair back and like you are, you know, you're growing and you're changing and you're loving this person. And you have like, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a sacred relationship. I look at like Mm. the, the, the mentor, mentee, the coach, the client, the teacher, the student, it's a very sacred dynamic. And so that would be my first recommendation before going into like a certification in a school. There's Mm. some great ones out there, but I see people doing that without having that one-on-one. Um, the other thing I would recommend, this is my favorite book. This is a book that, um, I, um, I give all the coaches, like I buy it for them and mail it to them. The ones that I'm personally training Mm. and mentoring. Um, it's called the presence process by Michael Brown. I mentioned it earlier, Mm. um, because there's nothing more important in my opinion than a coach embodying being present. Mm. Is if you're not present with your clients, they're going to feel it. Like they feel it. They know it. Um, uh, you can be doing zoom like this and be on video. Um, but if you just suddenly checked out and we're human, Mm. we, you know, we can't help it when we do it sometimes. So you develop that muscle and it is a muscle of becoming more present with people. And, um, and also noticing that if you have some clients, if they say certain things that knock you out of being present, that's what you get to work on. Like whenever Mm. last week I had a client say something and I immediately felt this like surge of worry and fear came over me and it knocked me out of the session for just a moment. And I recognized it. 
and I worked on it with my mentor. Right. And so it's like, that's the stuff it's not. Yeah. There's some tools that are cool that we could use, but that's not what really changes people. In my opinion, it's, it's how we show up, how we hold space. And so that's Mm -hmm. what I'd recommend. That's great. Now I know you're not a hardcore bro, bro marketer, uh, running funnels everywhere and stuff. And you've probably got more work than you can handle. Um, so, but I'm curious if people want to kind of connect with you or like see some of your stuff or are you online? Like what's kind of the space? <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I, I had a friend say, I'm like the pizza place in the, in, in Vegas. That's like on the second floor of the Bellagio without like a sign. Like you got it. So, yeah. And it's like, you need to know a password to get in. And like, it's so funny. Cause call it's like, in rocks. That's the password. You say call in rocks. <laughs> it's like you coach people with some of the most lucrative funnels in the world and you don't have a funnel. It's I kind love of it. embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing. It really is like, Oh my gosh. It's like, yeah, I do have, I do have a site. You guys, please don't judge me. <laughs> um, I love um, but you could go to Mandy Keen. Um, that's like, uh, you know, someone, someone was, uh, I had a client who really loved me and she couldn't believe I didn't have a site. So she just like put it together and made me send her some videos. So it's really like, I'm like, I don't really think I need one, but okay. So if you go to, you could go to Mandy Keen. You could email me Mandy at Mandy Keen. I'm also on Instagram and I'm not like big and famous where I don't check my DMS. So <laughs> I check my own DMS. So yes. That's a so great good. Mandy, uh, it's, you know, it's an honor having you on the, on the podcast. I love having you in my life. You've helped mm-hmm. me change my life significantly and, and a lot of progress internally, externally. And uh, it's just great to have a, a master coach on, on the, uh, on the expert edge and to showcase you to uh, the greater audience. And uh, so thanks so much for being on here, Mandy. This was so fun. Thank you, Colin. It's my honor and joy. Thank you. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.